0: and i kind of feel it as like avatar the last airbender no lie (laughs) (laughs) okay like what is it to really be masterful working all the elements of your life Mm. recognizing that they all have to be tended
1: Hello and welcome to the Emergent Strategy podcast, hosted by the Emergent Strategy Ideation Institute. We're a collective of facilitators, mediators, trainers, and just curious human beings interested in how we get in right relationship with change. Today, I'll be guiding our interview and I'm Sage. I'm an architect, facilitator, and strategist with the Emergent Strategy Ideation Institute. Emergent strategy is a way we generate and reshape complex systems through patterns of relatively simple interactions. And on this amazing day, I have the opportunity to talk with Mawalisa Thomas Adeyemo, a somatics awakener, body worker, and trainer for BOLD, Black Organizing for Leadership and Dignity. Hi, Mawalisa. How are you?
0: Hi. I'm doing good today. Um, there's a mix of uh, both uh, a freshness with the winter, and um, and feeling into uh, just sweetness and new adventures and love, and uh, creating home. And and then there's also places in me where I'm like I feel. Uh, the pain Mm -hmm. of uh, collectively what's happening and then, you know, had a little phone call from my son the other night who was in a hurting place in grieving uh, some of the many losses that have happened in these past three years. Um, So yeah, it's a mix. It's like, there's uh, so much possibility and hope and there's also a lot of suffering.
1: Yeah. Yeah. thank you for sharing that. It, it right off the bat, um, reminds me that this can be a conversation between us that doesn't shy away from complexity and the layers of life and how all of that is, um, a part of our experience in every single moment. And, and, um, that doesn't have to be run from, That doesn't have to be run from. So thank you for sharing that. And, um, you know, one of the things we, we uh, were talking a little bit about earlier and talk with about with fo- folks on, on the podcast is, you know, this is about emergent strategy to some extent, but it's also about how people are moving through the world, being in relationship to change and how some of that connects with aligns with emergent strategy and, and um, really just, again, cur- other curious human beings who are moving through the world, thinking about how we navigate um, not only this moment of constant change, because I think there's a way in which 2020 has highlighted some things, um, uh, um, amplified so many things, but also the way in which the world, you know, leaning into Octavia Butler as we do, you know, that change is our, is our primary constant. Can you tell tell me a little bit about how you think about how change happens? And and I, I want I kind of want to amend it a little bit and say through the work that you do in the world how do you see that uh, um, impacting how change
0: happens right like why do you choose to do what you do oh yeah mm-hmm. 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 there is so much that i feel is possible that happens at the level of the body when we slow down enough to listen to the language of the body. There's just so much, so many answers are there. So many answers are there. And I think about what lives in our bodies in terms of um, how we've been shaped by conditions and experiences that we've lived through. I think about what our muscles automatically move to do, even when we're having conversations in our mind about what, how we might wanna show up, but we just can't because there are these, these patterns that are entrained in us um, that often have us split, so to speak, in like what our values are and I'll give you case in point. Um <laughs> I'm thinking about um, in my own life I hold values about expansive love. Mm-hmm. Um being able to love widely and um and really invite in interdependence and cooperation. And then I sit in what my body has learned um, in a capitalist culture in trying to survive in these conditions, um, self-reliance. I can feel where my body has learned self-reliance. I can feel where my body has learned to close in and hoard and not reveal
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: what my needs are Um, because actually what's been needed is to tend everything out there or reversely in moments where I'm like, I can't see the big picture of what's happening and I squirrel into my own. And it's like, I might have a vision for how I wanna live. But, based on you know, the experiences of what I've lived through, sort of like the 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 set of tools and practices that I have up until this moment in my life. Um, sometimes they prepare me to walk bravely into um, what I value and what my visions are for how I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes they impede me in being able to walk the way that I would feel like I would wanna walk. So I feel like the body becomes um, such a location to work with tangibly, to change habits, to change practices. Um, I think about for me, what it's taken to organize myself that actually a wellness practice for myself that I true to no matter what. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, from a body that has known parenting and and so much, you know, just like an organization and orientation to take care of externally. It's been interesting to Uh, really slow down and realize what are the conditions that are required for me to be in this Mm. radical act of self-love over and over again like what where where do i need to make boundaries internally and externally in order to keep returning to that practice over and over again because the practice is whether i see the changes immediately i know that on the other side of it my whole day feels better Mm. Because I'm, I'm entering that next moment, just a little bit more in myself, a little bit more in myself. And when I'm in myself, I have more capacity to navigate with more authenticity and honesty, um, my fears and my insecurities and my worries. um, Because there's something in me that I get to access. And I also think it's where my spiritual work ties into that physical practice. It's like also anchoring into uh, remembering who I am every day, Hmm. remembering who I am and remembering spiritually what I'm connected to, because the world would show me or have me believe that I actually don't have a lot of power or resource or money or whatever Mm -hmm. it is to shift the conditions towards more thriving for myself, for my people, for queer folks, for you know communities that I both belong to and have been in a commitment to do deep healing intervention work inside of. Um, but I just know um, it is often those hurts that we hold at the level of the body that keeps us from being our best selves so to do that work with people to just kind of like do that slow cleaning that slow cleaning that slow deep honest investigation around um, why and how it is that I've come to be how I am and um, mm-hmm. and what is it that I long to become and what gets in the way of that and how to like actually do that work to excavate, to create, to till that soil, to create new conditions that something more holy and and that invites more wholeness in us um, can take root. And that process just, it's so magical. Like when you open yourself to that and really be present with when a person tunes into their body, what really gets revealed there, what really gets revealed about what you care about, what you fear, where, what you long for. Um, I just have been able to witness people be able to take radically different steps in their lives on the other side of that work. And I think um, it's why I keep coming back to it. I think there's something in me that has always felt spiritually wired. <laughs> to care about relieving suffering Mm. so I think I do the work that I do to be able to open up more possibility for inner freedom that then translates into uh, actions that we take that create more freedom.
1: So that leads me to this question around Black somatics, because mm-hmm. um, in particularly when you're talking about Black folks, this internal conditions and external conditions can get um, it can get sticky, it can get juicy, it can get you know complicated. It can it can be a lot of things. So can you tell us a little bit about um, what is Black somatics, or how do you think about Black somatics, and um, what does that mean about pra- practicing? <laughs>
0: I want to just name the purity of the word somatics. That that is a term that got offered as a way in language to try to talk about the mind, the body, the spirit in its wholeness. And from my, from some of my um, spiritual traditions, I really look at what is it to walk in balance recognizing that in order to exist there are physical needs that need to be addressed and balanced their emotional needs that need to be addressed and balanced, their spiritual needs that need to be addressed and balanced and there's mental needs that need to be um, addressed and balanced and Um, tending to and that I think that that is true internally and externally I think that that's Mm -hmm. true it's how we've big picture we people organize systems to take care of those things Mm -hmm. (laughs) physical realities emotional realities spiritual realities and mental realities um but that for me somatics is looking at how do we really be in balance there? And I kind of feel it as like Avatar, the last airbender, no lie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Like what is it to really be masterful working all the elements of your life? Mm. Recognizing that they all have to be tended. Like for the sake of health and wellness, we got a body. Mm -hmm. You got to feed it well. In some ways, it's not that different than a car. You know, it is. It's this temple. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But what we put into it and what we digest determines the quality of life we have. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And, you know, for me, I've had to, I've done so much transition and change in my personal life over time with pulling myself back from asthma, um, pulling myself out of um, deep eczema all over my body, pulling myself Mm -hmm. out of um, patterns of uh, emotional eating that just, and, and like letting the world feed me letting the world feed me and like being in experimentations of like, oh, I actually am healthier all the way around when I feed myself more, like shifting my life from uh, the five, two plan versus the two, five plan, like maybe five days a week, I feed myself and two days a week, the world feeds me instead of Five Mm. days a week, the world feeds me and two days a week I feed myself. Okay. (laughs) And I just think about in my own life, running a pace, pace is important in here too. Running a pace um, that doesn't actually allow me to prepare food for myself and feed myself. I might want to question that pace. Okay. I might want to question that pace. I might want to question um you know I come from land people yeah and the older I get the more I find myself kind of returning to that I'm like really am I about to become my daddy out here with some goats (laughs) (laughs) as a retirement plan and but it's um it's a life that offers more longevity and I say it because I just watched um my partner of 10 years um, my 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 co-parent dropped dead at 44, too young from yeah. um, overwork, a lot of alcohol, other life choices that didn't support body overall health and wellness. So I'm really about starting with the body. Like what 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 does this body need? That's the physical, and then emotionally. What, what do we need to keep ourselves in balance on an emotional level mm-hmm. and spiritually, especially when mm, in colonized conditions, we have our images of divinity that reflect us have been stolen.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and by us, we should just acknowledge it's two black women talking to each other. Two black
0: women talking <laughs> to each other. Yes. Yes. Okay. And what am I doing to maintain myself mentally? Because mm-hmm. the mind and being shut in, and in quarantine, and you know not being able to uh, find connection beyond the internet for mm-hmm. community—you know—it's just like that has an impact on our health and wellness. So really, looking at the wholeness of that. So that's the first place that I would begin in talking about somatics. It's like, how, how do we look at ourselves as whole beings that have needs in all of those domains?
1: I think when you talk about the, the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, folks understand the physical in a certain way. They understand how, like, there's, there's so much information about how to care for the body, whether we do it or not, you know, it's not uh, um, mysterious. Tending to the the mental, emotional, and spiritual, however, um, is is a place that you know if as children uh, who are are descendants from of enslavement, like if it isn't the church, like or if it isn't like some sort of organized uh, spiritual practice, in some ways, the the mental, emotional, and spiritual piece, I think folks have um, a more challenging time to think about what does that mean to. Um, understand what those needs are and care for them. Are there ways in which you help people understand what are their mental emotional and spiritual needs like how how through your practice do, do you pull those things out of folks or what might might folks look at to um, or engage in to help understand their, emotional, mental, and spiritual needs. And I'm just reflecting on a, on a whole conversation that Kaisi Lemon, the Mississippi writer, you know, talks about there's a time in his life when he was running and he was running all the time. And everyone's like, you're amazing. You look great. You've been running like crazy. You know, your body is so fit. And, and he was like, internally, I was a mess. Like why I was running was um, so problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, what I was doing to my body that everyone else was praising was destroying it. Yeah, and and so I think again, there's there's this how do we how do we care for this wholeness yeah. um, in a way that's
0: thoughtful? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. There is no one answer to that mm-hmm. because we are all so diverse. I think it's why I've appreciated delving um, into alternative healing realities like the study of Ayurveda and looking at, you know, five element theories that we're all made up of the same stuff. We're all made up of the same stuff, five elements. We, We got earth in us, we got water in us, we got fire in us, we got air in us, we got ether in us. space. We all have that and then we all have that in varying combinations. We all have that in varying combinations. And so, and that's true for all of life, <laughs> like elementally, <laughs> alchemically, we're all made up of these different um, elements in different quantities or, or portion sizes. And so what health looks like for me is gonna be different mm-hmm.
1: from
0: what health looks like from for someone else because you've got different conditions there. So I think in each moment, it becomes a conversation of like, what's true for you? Hmm. What's true for you? And then it's where I, I'm one of those people where I really, I think because I grew up in a, a religious cult, cult, I'll just say that, um, <laughs> because I grew up in a, a reality that was very much this is the way and everything else is fucked up. And I recognized how dangerous that is. I think it's primed me to look widely to find kernels of truth. And when I find, when I look look across culture, across cosmologies, across many diverse things I find those threads of truth that connect our human story, that's where I look to for truth. And um, so I, I, it's, it's what has inspired me to, to dabble widely and to look at things beyond what my own come from has been um, in this study of like, what, what is wellness? What is health and healing and wellness? What does that look like on different bodies? And I, I, I will be a student of that till I die. <laughs> like mm, I, yes. I feel like in this moment, I'm like, yeah, you're getting answers from maybe. Uh, a a preteen but I got so I got so much more to learn this life but what I've learned is that we all require different things because we are made up differently so it's beginning to listen to what's true for this person Mm. Um, what's true for and it's and I appreciate those systems that look at people in that way and that can offer um, guidance for um, how to look at health. So I, I I pull a lot of inspiration from Ayurveda. I pull a lot of inspiration from um, earth-based spiritualities. I pull a lot of inspiration from herbalism. I pull a. I I think at my heart, I'm a root worker. And then I found this incredible body of work technology called somatics that uh, brought new things, you know, but I, I'm, I'm forever a hungry student, because I just, I think that's what we're here to do until the day we leave. <laughs> to keep learning, to keep, keep learning,
1: learning, to keep learning.
0: Waste love, waste love, waste love, waste
1: love, waste love. Waits love. So I'm I'm curious. I'm going to ask you a, a a question about how you discovered your own your own knowing or your own skills and your power. Could you give us a little bit about your journey? Mm-hmm. Um, not that it's I'm in no way implying that it's over because we just said it's lifelong study of of both yourself and um, systems. And, but I'm also you know you're someone in the world that when your name comes up folks clap and you know they're like oh, you know mama lisa like there's, and so there's a journey there uh, a connection there that that people feel with you when they meet you and i wonder if you'd be willing to share a little bit about about your life's journey
0: mm, wow wow um i think from as young as my teenage years Early, early, early twenties, late teens, early twenties. Um, there was something in me that called me. Maybe it was partly my queerness. Maybe it was partly, but there was something in me that called me to. I need to begin to practice seeing divinity in through the through the eyes of the of of the divine feminine. Mm.
1: Um,
0: yes. Because, ooh, patriarchy has been rough on our people. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Real talk. <laughs>
0: um, so for me, it was about really seeing um, the feminine face of the divine. And I always knew that there was something in my spirit that called me to women's work, whether that was healing work, uh, Around healing sexual trauma, I fell into rape crisis work pretty early on on my journey, um, and it called me in. I I didn't know what I was stepping into. I thought I was stepping into youth education work and and helping youth um, choose different ways of being instead of bullying each other around identity, um, around. Uh, queer identity and, and trans identity and, um, and really having honest, earnest conversations with youth um, around how gender roles play out. And like, those were my early days. And that, you know, kind of led me into programs working with youth, doing anti-oppression work with youth. Um, and it was like, you know, it's interesting. There was always like this space of like what I did for my service work mm-hmm. and then a separation of what I do in my spiritual life. And I think growing up Jehovah's Witness, I really learned to protect what I do in my spiritual life because it doesn't really look anything like what other people are doing out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so also my listening to... um the goddess calling me that that's also something that I'm really practiced at keeping more quiet. So So even as we're having this conversation now, I'm like, woo, wow. I'm really gonna talk about that. Um, But I feel like one of the things that's been helping me recently um, really delve into my power is apprenticing with, a face of the divine feminine um, in the form of Sekhmet. And she is a, um, a solar deity mm-hmm. um, and her energy is, is very hot. Um, and I feel like my life has been ruled by much more of a watery um, nature in my earlier years, um, a much more uh, watery, nurturing, um, spirit in my earlier years. And then I'm like, okay. And at this transition in my life, more fire is being called for. Mm-hmm. So I found myself really working with this very, uh, hot, uh, aspect of the divine feminine.
1: Yeah.
0: What I'm learning, you know, it was interesting. I did this meditation with, uh, who the person who's in leadership with our little crew, um, And in this guided meditation, we were asked to uh, imagine holding a power object, this this object that's like a staff of power, basically. And in my meditation, I kept passing it back. Ah. I kept passing it back. It was like, I would play with it and like, woo, feel my power through this staff. But then I would place it back and I recognized that really illuminated my relationship to power I hold it I wield it but I'm very quick to pass it back over Mm -hmm. um and so this exploration that I've been in um with this particular deity has been illuminating so much for me personally about what is my relationship to power what is my relationship to Um, wielding my own power day to day in my life? Where do I back away from it? Where do I um, give it over? Um, and, and, And so I feel like that exploration has been teaching me so much about myself and my relationship to power and what's actually being called of me in this phase of life. You know, I'm 45, I'm in definitely the the this might be like the midlife crisis years I'm gonna call it a midlife celebration
1: (laughs) okay there you go midlife celebration yes
0: a midlife celebration
1: midlife chrysalis
0: yeah but it's really calling for like mm, you're moving into um what is it to be an elder and to really show up as an elder and to walk in the world with a different relationship and sense of my own power. I also think, uh, witch burnings were hard on our people.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a whole vestige of like, shh, don't, don't talk about it. Folks will think all these things between witch burnings. And then recently I was talking to a friend about how many particularly black women, um, who were instrumental in the civil rights movement wound up in mental institutions mm-hmm. you know um and and left there like not considered part of the political prisoner movement I think uh um oh. and what is that what is how that happens when we talk about these things that um uh that folks feel like Either don't understand or have been, or have been pulled away from us in ways that um, um, make it make the integration of it or the understanding of of what we have that is tangible for change, and the ways in which those things that we cannot see impact us and how change happens in the world. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for for sharing what you what you have and for for taking a little leap off that ledge in this, in this podcast, because um, I'd like to believe that uh, this is a place that can hold that. Yeah, You know, folks listening to this are people who can hold that.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's also been really beautiful to find um, all the ways that Indigenous folks, African folk have through our cultures and our practices have taken care of our physical, or excuse me, our emotional, mental, spiritual health, um, that doesn't look like what's practiced in mainstream, I would say, um, and just really looking at, you know, some of the deeper, um, components in shamanic healing. Mm-hmm how deeply and with specificity, they really address helping people find balance inside of their mental health, inside of their emotional health, inside of their spiritual health, but it's all connected. Like it's not separated out in the ways that we separate those things out. And I'm just, um, I'm like, oh, there's a lot here. There's a lot here.
1: So I, I want to, to, so we were getting into somatics and, and the wholeness of the being. There's also like, what happens when you put black on the front of it? Like when you say black somatics, yeah. can we talk a little bit about um, what that, what that adds to um, the practice of somatics? And, yeah. and?
0: So I really inherited my... Um practice of somatics from um, a white body mm-hmm. and um, there and I feel like the technology of somatics that I use um, I really hold it as like a beautiful synthesis of best practices but it really came to me um, through... Um, a particular embodiment that I don't think really addressed um, the specificity of what lives inside of the black body. And so um, I really got hungry to find out how to take the best of these skills, these healing practices and really feel that for the unique healing concerns of our people. And so when I say, you know, and I'm also very aware of like Resmaa Menakim's work yes. and really using embodiment awareness, like being aware of ourselves on the level of the body in how, how we show up with each other on those subtle levels. It's like those levels that it can be even hard to find language to talk about because it's so deep in the bones, so to speak. So I think about what Resmaa Menakem has brought to um, looking at um, abolishing white supremacy inside of the black body. Mm
1: So why is it important for Black people to understand and and why do we need embodiment?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just think about how much our bodies have been prescribed to our worth being tied to what we produce. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing to say that, and it's another thing to like really delve deeply and honestly internally to see all the ways that that shows up
1: i think in some ways because of that particularly as black people we we stay disembodied right because that that could, acknowledging that what you're saying can be such a site of of pain and 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 erasure and all things. So we, we don't not only treat but live into the wisdom of our bodies. Um, because that back to our original, our early conversation, the complexity of that, mm-hmm. what it means to acknowledge being in a black body in this world, and how that is acted upon, um, makes you want to leave your body. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, literally, literally. And this is just such a source of power. Mm. This is such a source of power. Like I think about, um, And
1: by this, you mean the body,
0: the body. That's what I'm pointing yeah. to. I'm like, Oh, this body is such a source of power. And I think about what becomes possible when we're self-possessed. Mm. Like what becomes possible when we're truly self-possessed like when we're truly um, more at home in ourselves, mm, not thrown off center by um, the things that we've internalized our shame, our um, mm, things that we've swallowed and believe to be true. like. You know, I think about decolonization work feels mm-hmm. like a really huge part of what it means to really return to this as as um, a place of wholeness, as a um, where we just really get to be in possession here. Mm-hmm. There's um, so many other ideas and ways of being that um, we've inherited that actually don't, don't serve us. I don't think that that is leading us to our freest selves. Mm. And I just know that when I'm truly in myself, I have access to taking risks, making moves, saying the truth, that I don't have access to when I'm not really really here when I'm not really really present. Yeah. It's interesting. And I can feel my wavering presence happening even here in this conversation.
1: Mm. Yeah. What does that what does that mean, your wavering presence?
0: Oh, I think I'm just sitting in the the habits, my own personal habits of not revealing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, one way that I I have been the beneficiary of your revealing is in your song practice and your singing practice.
0: Mm. Can you talk?
1: Why is singing important to you?
0: I really hold singing first and foremost is probably the greatest gift that my mother gave me.
1: Mm. Yes.
0: Yeah. I hold it as one of the greatest gifts that my mother gave me. It feels like one of my ancestral inheritances. Um, She's not here um, on this plane anymore. Um, But there are moments where I literally hear her voice come out of my throat and um, it just touches me so deeply. And uh, she had a beautiful voice and also um, lived with sarcoidosis of the lungs um, which prevented her from, I think, singing to her greatest capacity, like she really could have been an opera singer. Oh, wow. And, um, and then navigated, um, you know, what it was to have that gift with, um, limited breath support that I honestly feel like came out of the conditions of, um, you know, all of the environmental fuckeries and, in, in the South, you know, Louisiana, just like, yeah. Um, yeah, all that, you know, I'm thinking about Cancer Alley, she was there and, um, and her, her voice um, and being able to connect to that uh, coming through me, that's one of the reasons why I sing. I also think that, um, mm, singing is such a spiritual practice for me because mostly what I find myself enjoying the most singing are um offerings to the divine Mm. um songs that remind me of my connection to nature songs that remind me of my connection to spirit songs that remind me of uh, the truth of interdependence um and our connection to each other um Yeah, I sing for the ecstasy of being in harmony with people. Mm -hmm. There's something that when two voices come together, what they create, or when three voices come together, what they create is a frequency that one person cannot create that. Mm -hmm. It's just one person cannot do that. So singing both gets to be a site of um, feeling like, oh, this is a way that I can offer beauty. This is a way that I can offer beauty to the trees. You know, this is a way that I can, Um, I often use song in my healing work. Um, Mm. And there are moments where I will stumble across um emotional territory where there feels like there's stuckness and there's something about um the tone you know it's really the we can go metaphysical on this and get to like the 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 principles of sonic frequency and and, mm-hmm. and, and sound healing and and what what that does but i know that there are mo that those are there there are codes in there that can unlock gates. They can unlock gates and close other gates. (laughs) But there's something in the power of song that I feel like can can open gates. And I've witnessed moments where mm, it was like that touch that just allowed some deeply held long overdue expression in the body to be able to complete itself.
1: I know that a, a, a practice of singing also like kind of helps to kind of tune the body and tune the self. And I know you have some views on what a daily practice can do um, of, of any kind. Like, uh, And I shouldn't say of any kind. I don't know if that's true. Let me not put words in your,
0: in your mouth. Maybe not all daily practices are created equal. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I got, yeah, I'm like, hmm.
1: I would love to hear your thoughts about um, what it means for someone to engage in a daily practice and and what that trajectory has been like. What have you learned through having a daily practice, even of your own?
0: Yeah, so much. Um, I would say it really, the daily practice that you take on for yourself really matters, Mm. really matters. I can talk about what my daily practice is, and then I know that there are bodies that this daily practice won't work for. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, I found um, a practice of Qigong where it's funny, it was really love that brought me into that practice uh, because it was uh, taught to me by um, this person that I'm just really uh, finding new love waters with. And, um, And then the practice itself Oh, how do I talk about Qigong? It's new for me. This is like a a practice that I've held consistently since March of this year. Wow, okay. Yeah, and I'm talking like, you know, there might be, I could count on one hand or maybe a hand and a half the days that I've missed. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking like the rigor of it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The rigor of it, like I don't skip this. This is actually something that I hold on to. And what I will say is that daily practice, I'm learning what a tether it can be inside of immense transition, inside Mm -hmm. of immense transition, because there has been so much transition in these past few years, like a lot of transition. And to have something that brings me more into myself um, and that actually is strengthening my body On physical and energetic levels has just been a game changer I'm like I have so much less back pain on Mm. the other side of this practice um I've watched my joints get I feel like I'm Benjamin buttoning honestly like I can feel (laughs) like I'm like am I really reverse aging like Do I feel more limber than I, you know, and also some of this may also be coming on the back of, you know, an awakening and alignment in the erotic vitality (laughs) zone.
1: That's Benjamin Buzz didn't talk about that part.
0: That, that will, that'll take years (laughs) off. But um, being able to return to this practice um, daily, it's just been such a tether. It's Mm. been such a tether in a good, solid, two, three years of just constant change. Mm. How often do we just, we give so much in mm. our lives to, to all the things we give our energy and our time to. and um, But what are we pouring into ourselves so that the actual quality of our offer can be? Yes. Like our people deserve that. Our people deserve quality offers. Mm. So, how do I take a moment daily to pour into myself in this way that on the other side of it, I'm just like a little bit more prepared in my emotional, mental, physical, spiritual space to hold space for other folks? I find that in my mm, 15, almost 20 years of somatic practice this has been a practice that like, I'm actually standing differently in my body. <laughs> like we talk about um, what is it to really be in your heels? You know, the, the, the phrase of like, you got to dig your heels in, you
1: mm-hmm. know.
0: What is it to actually stand in your heels? Like, have you have you slowed down enough to become a study of like, how do I stand? am i tilted forward do i stand in a in a place of um i'm i'm constantly pulling my heart back from the world um what 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 is my stance what does that mean if we were to like do body tarot and map that onto <laughs> what that extrapolates up to emotionally and and mentally and spiritually but to be able to be in a practice where Habitually, I get to come back to an even stance in my body. Just that has been, yeah, it's been like slow water, like Mm -hmm. slow water over stone. Just like changing what feels more possible in my body.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you've offered us so much about a practice already. Like, what does it mean to between the tethering and like water over stone? How is the transformation happening inside a, a daily practice or so whatever? Like as you said earlier, whatever. Well, we actually backed out of whatever the daily practice might be, but a daily practice that 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 uh, um, kind of gives us a direction towards a place of health and well-being for ourselves um, feels like it opens up so much.
0: I think about the practice of oiling and what you know what that has done. <laughs>
1: Ooh, I can tell you what that has done and what that does. Uh, what does that do? Oh, I mean, for the last—not since March, but I think July, maybe. And I—I I can count. I can count maybe on two hands since July that I've missed. But yeah, being in a in a daily practice of oiling uh, oneself and and feeling literally feeling with my own fingertips my own divinity Mm -hmm. um my sacredness and and pouring that back into myself is is just been transformative so Mm -hmm. i'm so grateful to have been offered that yeah as a practice Um, Mm -hmm. our time is coming to a bit of a close but we do have one um a final question about what do you wish every community centered for for our health like if there, was one, if there was something that you're like, for a community to be healthy, then these are some of the things that, um, and by health, I'm also thinking like health in relationship to healing, you know, on the road to health. What is the, you mentioned earlier about a car, like what vehicle might we hop into that could help us down the road towards our, our health? Our-
0: I could answer that a million ways. A million ways and no way. (laughs) (laughs) Collectively. I think that um, in all the ways that we find it to do, I think we do need to remember to keep staying connected. Mm. I'm marveling at in this moment where there seems to be a resurgence of Corona and asks for, that asks us to be even more still and quarantined um that we 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 don't do well outside of connection
1: hmm.
0: and we don't do well outside of touch and contact and i've seen people get real strategic about how to make contact with each other in these moments um from the side of fears that's like, I'm going to put a sheet over you and hug you. (laughs) (laughs) To, to, I'm just going to hug you because I feel like we can do that to, I'm going to turn back to back and hug you with the back of my body with my mask on To, Mm -hmm. to let's invent a Thanksgiving Zoom, you know, but just to stay connected. stay connected to stay connected
1: thank you so much for your time and your wisdom one of the the sort of seminal um concepts inside emergent strategy is a quote by grace lee boggs that says transform yourself to transform the world and i feel like you have offered us so much to think about about how we think about the understanding ourselves and how change happens on the on our self level and it's it's connectedness to how we all get free mm-hmm. you know we all get free so grateful for your your time and and your brilliance and spending it with us
0: oh, um, this was yeah. beautiful and integrating and healing so thank you
1: This podcast is produced by Natalie Pert. Music for the Emergent Strategy podcast is provided by Complex Movements, a Detroit-based artist collective. The music provided is from the soundtrack of the performance installation, Beware of the Dandelions. To support the ongoing work of ESII, make a donation at www.alliedmedia.org forward slash E-S-I-I.